0: freedom in jesus for freedom we have
1: been set free not going back to slavery freedom welcome to week days with jesus we are weak but he is strong today's sermon by John David Mall is very interesting it, he he goes deep into the Hebrew language and the Hebrew culture and and talks about cows going out to pasture, and just all kinds of interesting things here. But, And it's a simple message, but one that's very profound and deep for all of us here, especially as we think about ourselves and examine our own motives for things and with pride and arrogance and, and other issues as well here, but ultimately leading us to the freedom that we have in Christ. And that's what today's song is also about, so I hope you get the chance to listen to that at the end. But for now... Let's listen to John David Mull.
0: Freedom in Jesus.
2: Why aren't we dancing? Why is it uh, that when our high school kids even lead us in music and someone's up front giving us motions to do that we stand like this? Half of you are going, because I'm Lutheran. Not allowed to do that kind of stuff. We should dance all the time because of what God has done. Are you a dancer? No? <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I dance different times. You'll see Jonah dancing during the last song. There's no way he can't keep himself from doing it. You're going to do it. You're going to do the Yeah, you'll be dancing, so for sure. Uh, I remember when I was his age, uh, I was into uh, break dancing. I owned at least four different pair of parachute pants. I carried cardboard with me and a jam box. This is a big player that your music came out of. It's huge. And you would carry it around in case you needed to break. You to get going, right? Yeah. There was a day. And so dancing was a thing. And we should be dancing for joy before the Lord. We should be those kind of people who can't help ourselves. Stephanie loves when I tell the story of our dancing. When Stephanie and I first met, uh, we didn't dance. But whenever she moved down to Texas and we were engaged, uh, I taught her to two-step. Uh, if you were going to be a Texan, you are going to two-step, right? Two-step is one of the greatest dances God ever made, uh, right? Because you can move all around the floor and you can have fun, but you can also talk to the person you're with, right? And so we learned to do that and we enjoyed that. We'd go with friends in Texas. You could do that. You go to Billy Bob's over in Fort Worth and have a great time too, Stefan, right? So, but we were engaged and our wedding was coming and we looked at each other and we said, we want to have a good first dance, right? We don't want one of those sorry first dances that people do or they just look ridiculous out there. So we actually decided to go to a place where they taught you how to dance, right? And so we got a private lesson at a place and Stephanie had heard from others because we're going to get married. She brought the bustle that's going to go under her her wedding dress, right? To make sure she brought it. And he teaches us the basic... Basic box step, and he teaches us how we can move beyond that as time goes right. The old basic box step, and we had our perfect uh, uh, way to hold each other and how to move. And pretty soon, you could work all the way around the room, and we looked pretty good, right? And so we practiced. Uh, and made sure we were going to be ready to roll, and then the day came, and the wedding was beautiful, and uh, it came to the reception, and we were ready to leap for joy before the Lord because we had this awesome moment, right? It's our first dance before everyone. It's going to be incredible, and so they announce us, and we walk in. I think we did it first thing, right? Right? Everybody had already been there, they had their appetizers, a few had had a couple of beers already, so they're ready to see us dancing. Right? They announce us, the two of us walk in, we get in the middle, and Harry Connick Jr. comes on, right? not He's not actually there. We had a DJ who played Harry Connick Jr., and we're ready, and we take the first step, and the next, and Stephanie goes, oh no! I said, what? She goes, I can't step backwards, Because of the dress. She would worn the bustle, but not the dress. So if she were to step backwards, she was going on it, and we were going down. And so in that moment, our beautiful first dance went from this thing that we had practiced for to seventh grade. This is what we did for our first dance. And I think that song has never been that long. As it was that time. It felt like it was about 42 minutes. I remember by the middle of it, we were going... uh, The the DJ was actually a friend of ours from our Bible study group. We were kind of looking, stop it, stop it, just stop it. And so God humiliated us right at the beginning there. Now we forgot about it a little later. We forgot about it when the whole wedding party came out and we had us all dance to uh, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places. Which is what you want for your wedding party. Uh, And we were finally able to two step again, and we figured out I can go backwards, right? And we can just work our way around. But it was embarrassing, it was awful. And we were not dancing for joy before the Lord, it was terrible. But it was helpful also because in our text today, it says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now remember, this is Malachi. This is the last book of the Old Testament. Now, we are in the last book of the Old Testament and the last chapter of the Old Testament. These are the last words to God's people for 400 years. It goes dead silent for 400 years until Jesus comes, right? And so you have this text that's speaking to us. And what it's talking about is when Christ will come and there will be judgment. And it lays out two kinds of people. There's going to be the arrogant. The Lord of heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed roots, branches, and all. So there's those, and then there are the others. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Don't you feel sometimes like a young calf? That's not exciting to you? So in the text, it tells us there's really going to be two kinds of people at the judgment. There are going to be the arrogant and the wicked who are going to be burned down to nothing. And there's going to be the rest of us who are going to leap like calves, like newborn calves. We're going to be excited and we're going to be joy-filled and all those kinds of things. And here's my problem. As I read that text, I often look at myself and I feel like the arrogant, wicked one. Because I know me. I know me, and I know the stuff I've done. And I know that I need a God who sometimes humbles me with a seventh grade dance at my wedding. Because I fall short of who he's calling me to be. I mess it up again and again and again. And so when you read this text, there's that little flame of fear that jumps in. Which am I? Am I going to be jumping for joy, or am I going to be burning It's a scary thought, isn't it? Until you see the fullness of what's going on in the Word. Read this with me. I love doing that. This is Hebrew. Hebrew is a very interesting language. Uh, Hebrew is a very interesting language for a lot of reasons. One of them is this. uh, The average five-year-old in the United States today has 10,000 words. All right? So the average five-year-old in the United States today knows 10,000 words and can use 10,000 words. The biblical Hebrew language, the language that the people of the Bible used at that time, Hebrew language 4,000 words in the whole thing. It's called a pregnant language. It's called a pregnant language because every word has tons of meaning built into it. Right? And it's really important for us to understand that, to be able to understand what God is telling us in Malachi chapter 4. Because He is saying to us, But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness. First, let's just check this. Children's message right now. Ella did a great job on it. But if it's a children's message and I were to ask you who the son of righteousness is, what's the answer? Children's message answer. Always the same answer. Thank you very much. You're doing great so far. All right, this text is telling us that Christ is going to come. He is the son of righteousness. And then how will he come? With healing in his wings. That is a pregnant phrase. He comes with healing in his what? So you picture Jesus coming in like, right? Right. That's not what it's getting at in our text. When we look at this text, when you look at this word, the top word reading right to left, remember when you first look at Hebrew, it's intimidating, right? I remember when we went to seminary and we started digging into the languages we first did Greek. At the beginning of Greek, it's intimidating, but those letters look like letters I know, right? And let's listen to the Greek alphabet. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta. Does that sound familiar? Right? And so you dig in and it seems like, but when you go to Hebrew... Does that look like letters you know? That first letter, top right. we got to go top right to find the first letter. It looks like a what? A little bit? Like a Y. That's a, uh, that, that letter goes... Uh, tss. So is that like a Y? No. It's like way different than anything. And so you're looking at it going, what does this mean? What's going on in this text? Well, this these words come from this verse in Numbers chapter... Uh, 15, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments. All right, so make tassels on the corners of their garments. That's what this is. Tassels on the corner of their garments. Tzitzit, that's tassels. Al, on. uh, Let's go. Kanafi. Kanaf, that is corner. Now, interesting thing. Wings, same word, kanafi. Kanaf, wings, also kanaf, corner. Now what is it getting at when it tells us that Jesus is going to come with healing in his wings or more than that, in his tzitzi? This, have you seen any, uh, anyone wear something like this before? Right? When you see picture of Hebrew people, often devout Hebrew people, especially if they're like going to the Wailing Wall, they might wear something like this. Uh, yeah, Jewish men sometimes will wear like a little poncho looking thing and it'll have these things uh, on them as well. And what we just heard in our text here is they're to make tassels on the corners of their garments, right? Also, another way to translate this is on the wings, Right? On the wings of their garment, they're going to make these tassels. And so you have these tassels, which are called tzitzits, right? And they look like this. Generally, they have blue in them. Now, the picture I'm going to show you doesn't have blue, but this one is there to give you an idea. The way that this works is you're always on a tzitzit, this tassel that goes on the corner of your garment. It has It has five knots in it. You see the five knots starting at the top? One, two, three, four, five. That represents, because this is a pregnant language, they're giving us a ton in this whole thing. In the tzitzit, in these five knots, that represents the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now the space between each one represents the name of Yahweh. Why? Why? H-W-H. You have that in here. So that's what they've got on the corner of their tassels. Now, over time, in the Hebrew language, they've also given, uh, biblically, they've given each letter of the Hebrew alphabet a numerical value, right? And in the word tzitzit at the top there, that top word from right to left, the numerical value of that word, when you add it all together, is 600, right? So you take the 600, and then you put together on the tzitzit the tzitzit is made up of if you could come up here and see or you see it there it's eight cords that go through to make up this thing with five knots in it so you put the eight cords together with the five knots that's 13 add it to the 600 you get 613 and for hebrew people the most important number you have is 613 anybody know why you do I don't think you do. I think you're just playing with me. Because there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. When you put together 10 commandments, all the ceremonial laws, 613. And so what they are saying when they put these things on here, that I'm going to be obedient to all of God's law, right? But what do we know about our Hebrew brothers and sisters? Have they been obedient to all of God's law? No, they're much like us. They've messed up time and again. You read the Old Testament, it gets frustrating when you see them, right? You know why it gets so frustrating as you see them receive God's word and be saved by him and how incredible it is and then turn right around and mess it up? Do you know why it's so frustrating? Because it looks like a giant mirror. Because I do the same thing. Out of my arrogance and my wickedness, I fall again and again. But the text tells us that Jesus... The Son of Righteousness is going to come with healing in his tzitzit. Now, there's interesting things about this. It's in a lot of different places. Do you remember uh, when King David, he's not not the king yet, but he is running from Saul because Saul's gone nuts, right? And Saul, King Saul wants to kill David. Do you remember that story? Uh, It happens for a long time. And at one point, David is hiding in a cave with some of his men, and uh, Saul's just outside, and Saul comes into the cave, you know what I'm talking about, and it says that David, all, all his men are telling him, go kill him, go kill him, we'll just take care of everything, and instead, David sneaks up, and it says he cuts off the corner of his robe, and shows it to him later, you know what he cut off? His tzitzit, to tell him you're not living by God's law, and that's what he's feels condemned. by. Now, let's go to New Testament. Can you think of a place? Because here's one of the things, that when this Malachi text came out, the people immediately believed that when the Messiah comes, he's going to come with healing in the tzitzit, that if you actually touched the corners of his robe, you could be healed. Does that sound like a story to you? Do you remember? Does this make much more sense? The bleeding woman, this woman who had been dealing with bleeding her whole life, and Jesus is going through this big crowd, and he would have been wearing, because this is what a Hebrew men, he, whatever he wore in the corner of his garment, he would have these tzitzit that would be there. And it says the woman reaches out, right, and touched the fringe of his robe. What he was, she was touching is the tzitzit. And there, what did she find? Healing, she was made whole. And so, this is incredible when we spend our time with this. Now, uh, the text, if we go back, there were, the, there were a couple kinds of people. There were co- those who have faith in God, and then the, there were the arrogant and the wicked. Now, really weird thing. Uh, we're told in the same book in Matthew that the scribes and the Pharisees that Jesus had so much trouble with. Remember, I tell you again and again, I don't think the Pharisees started out to be enemies of God. That wasn't their intent. They meant to follow all 613, they were going to do this really well. And so they, they got this stuff and they did all these crazy things. And it says they did stuff like this. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra ride prayer boxes with the scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. Tzitzit. Why? Because the Messiah is going to come with healing in his. And they want to be looking like they're like that too. So they want to make the impression that I am like this Messiah who's going to come. Right? It was arrogance that drove them to that. Now, I wonder sometimes, the major arrogance of the Pharisees is that they were supposed to be the leaders of the religious law, but they came to a point where they were putting laws around the law to protect the law, and they got so into that that eventually those laws became their God and they lost their way. Thank God we're not like that, right? Or do we do that? Or do we put laws around God's gospel to protect it somehow? Do we put things in place that we say that God never said have to be there, has to be there, or else it's not really Christian? Do we ever do that? Do we ever say you have to worship like this? And if you don't worship like this, then it's not good? You have to pray only like this? You have to live like Only like this, God tells us, no, 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 what I think you should be doing is leaping for joy. You should spend your life in the air, excited about what God has done for you. Because why? He came with healing in his robe. He came with healing for you and for me. You know what it's saying when he's saying this text? What it's telling you is that Jesus came for all of us who don't obey the law, who mess it up time and again. And Jesus came with healing in his wings. How did he do it? He obeyed it. He obeyed it perfectly. Everything down to the detail. Why? Because you and I don't. And because He obeyed it perfectly, and because He took it to the cross, and He spread out His arms there, and He took nails in His hands and in His feet for you and for me, for all the times that we have been arrogant, for all the times that we have been wicked, He took it all upon Himself to bring you what? Healing. He makes you whole. And He says, He says, when I come back, you will leap, you will run, and you will have incredible times. It will be joy filled for you. That's what the end is going to be. It's going to be incredible. And he says this, and you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Because even in this very broken world, even in this world that tears us apart, even in this world that breaks us down, even in this world that brings us diagnoses that we don't want, even in this world that we have our sin shown to us again and again, even in this world where people we love die, even in this world that is broken down and awful, God says, I love you and I've overcome it. And what I have for you is healing. I make you whole. I forgive you. I have overcome for you. Yes, you have fallen short of who I have called you to be. Yes, you have failed. But I love you and I've overcome it. I came with healing in the corners of my robe. And it's for you. It's for you. Now you get to le- live for me. You get to leap for joy in this world. Now, i got to tell you, um, I don't leap the way I used to. I loved watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Did you? Some of you are going, not old enough. You should watch a highlight video today. That man could leap, and he stayed in the air longer than anyone I've ever seen before. There were times that he jumped, and other guys jumped at the same time, and I believe on the way up, he looks over at them and goes, no, you're going down, I'm still going up, right? He leaped in incredible ways. God says to you, leap for joy, leap for joy. Now, I have, uh, I have uh, two knee replacements, so I'm allowed to leap, but I'm not supposed to land, All right, so some of my leaping is going to be shorter now, but I'm still going to dance for joy before my God. Why? Because he brought healing to me, and he brought healing to you. He has overcome for us. There is nothing, nothing that you have done that is bigger than his love. There is nothing bigger than the healing that comes in his wings. And now he says, live for me. Don't wait for the judgment to live free. Live free today. In the, last, uh, in the last couple of years, I've had some interesting times where uh, there have been some people who were dying that I spent a good amount of time with. And they were the kind of people that kind of grew up churched when they were young, but then fell away and fell into all the things of this world. Uh, And then they had me come, and I spent a lot of time with them. And what I was telling them again and again and again is that God still loves you, and he has overcome for you. And I would see the pain in their face, right? You could see it in there. Just this pain in their jawline and all these kinds of things. And part of that was the actual physical pain that they were dealing with. But much more than that, what I saw was the pain of their shame. The pain of the things that they had done to other people and the pain of not letting go of the things done to them. And what I would share with them is Jesus who came with healing for them, who has already overcome all of it. And it was incredible to see the moment, the moment where the Spirit worked it back in their heart and said, do you see? You are free. I've overcome it. And you would see the pain leave their face and it's the most relaxed look I've ever seen. And I'm so excited for them because you know where they are right now? Leaping for joy. Celebrating. But I'm also just a little sad for them because sometimes I feel like, but you missed out. Even in this broken world, we can live free and with joy in our lives and our hearts because what is before us is that salvation. You are free because of what God has done. Your sin does not hold you. And you get to leap for joy and share that message with a very broken world. Because I'm going to tell you, there's no election that's going to answer the problem. There's no political commentator who's going to fix it. There's no post on Facebook it's going to handle it. There's no amount of money that's going to come in and make it feel better. There's no possession that's going to do it. But Jesus Christ has already done it. That is there for you. And you need not be burdened by this world. This pain in this body, in your body, it's only a little while. It's a blip on the screen of eternity so we can live with joy. We can live in such a way that when a high school kid stands up in front of you and does actions to a song, you can do them right along. You might not be able to leap the way she can leap, but you can move with joy in your heart because Christ has overcome. Amen? Amen. Our God is good. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have called us as your children to live for you. You have called us as your children to live different than the rest of this world, to live out of the freedom that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness who has come with healing for us. And yet, Lord, we have gotten caught up in the things of this world. Lord, we have bought into lies and we have chased after the comforts of this world. We have arrogantly chased after the things that we want or thought that some way we could make ourselves feel whole. Lord, we have wickedly chased after the things of this world. We have hurt people we love. We have stepped on others. We have denied forgiveness to people. We have missed out on opportunities to share your love with others. Lord, we have gotten so caught up in our sin that we can't see the way out. Lord, we have let shame blanket us to the point that a prayer shawl like the one we have here would feel like a thousand pound weight upon us because that law pulls us down. but your son has come and he has overcome all of it. And so for his sake, we ask, Lord, would you forgive me? If this is your confession, then say, please forgive me, Lord. And Lord, change us. Remind us that you have come with healing for us, that you've already overcome it and let us live for you, the one who lived and suffered and died and rose for us. Lord, let us live for you. Let us leap for joy, even in this broken world. Let us share your good news, we pray, in the
1: strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today I've asked Ben Lang to share with us a song he just recently wrote here, and I'll just let him explain it to you. So Ben, can you tell us about your song?
3: Sure, Kevin, I'd love to talk to you about this song, Freedom in Jesus um the chorus kind of came to me first with this song just those simple words um just started to sing them and uh, I remember this verse came to mind uh, Galatians 5 verse 1 it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery and this song is really kind of about just like the spiritual freedom that we find in Christ. Um, And when uh, the the bonds that Satan tries to bind us with when those take over our lives it's just uh, so brutal and it's not um, how we were designed to be and so when Jesus comes into our lives breaks those chains replaces the demons with the Holy Spirit it's just uh, life-changing and uh, that's,
0: yeah, that's kind of what this song is about. Satan was my friend He tied me up Said chains look good on you I believed I was deceived I'd given up I'm getting his reins off. Why was that the future I had? My deepest sin was not out of reach of your love. Freedom in Jesus. For freedom we have been set free. Not going back to slavery. Breaking in my life, your yoke is easy your but is light. Jesus, He was my enemy. Turn my back. my eyes from you, you simply did not break open the lock, you melted my cage in fire and flames, glory and power said follow me now, You're not gonna die this way, no freedom in Jesus, for freedom we have been set free. Not going back to slavery, freedom in Jesus, chains are breaking in my life, your yoke is easy your but it's light. run within your boundaries, to dance in gospel life, set free, to be one of your family, to forgive my enemies, and all the power of Christ, oh, freedom in Jesus, for freedom we have been set free not going back to slavery, freedom in Jesus, chains are breaking in my life, your yoke is easier, but it's life.